What's up, 30 to Life family? It's your boy, Mookie. And as you know, Brown and I love to listen to audiobooks on Audible. Audible is the leading provider of spoken word entertainment, ranging from bestsellers to news, business, and self-development. Every month, members get one credit to pick any title, plus two Audible originals from a monthly selection. You can download titles and listen offline, anytime, anywhere. And if you can't decide what to listen to, don't worry. You get up to a year to use the credit. We're giving everyone a free trial if you go to audibletrial.com backslash 30 to life. Once again, that's audibletrial.com backslash 30 to life. So thank you just for being a part of the 30 to life experience. We really appreciate the support. Now, get ready to learn you something. Welcome to the 30th to Life podcast, where we break stereotypes, build legacies, and help others along the way. It's your boy, Mookie. And your favorite color in the world, brown. And thank you for tuning in to another episode of the 30 to Life podcast. We appreciate all the support. We appreciate you guys being patient with us as we did not have an episode during Thanksgiving, which we are very thankful for to have that time off away from the podcast but we just appreciate each and everyone each and every one of you and we're just thankful for the support so uh on this episode we're gonna get straight into it uh we have a very special guest we have sheree the little cpa on the podcast uh she educates professionals on taxes and she has over a decade of experience as an accountant and she's doing phenomenal work just educating the masses about just accounting and taxation taxation, and just everyday money uh, conversations that are much needed in our community. So before I bring her on, I just want to make sure I check with Brown. Brown, what's going on? You good? You great? I'm great. I took the train to work today for the first time in like four years. It was very interesting. There is actually internet service or full service. I have four bars on the train. I, I just found that really amazing and intriguing and, you know, Oh, so you no longer when you're on the commute, you know, uh, send a message to your boss or anyone. Hey, I'm running late. The, the train is run. Uh, I didn't have service anything. Yeah, like that, you, so you can can't legit, even do that no more. You can legit make a full phone call on the train now. I just found that very intriguing. I'm not driving to work anymore. That parking is $20, $20 a day. It's not a good uh, accounting decision, I think. It's a write-off, I, I think. So let, I don't let, think so. Let me let me get just get right right to the expert because <laughs> I, I I'm not I can't give tax advice I'm not a CPA but we do know the little CPA Cherie thank you for coming on we really appreciate your support thank you so much for having me I listened to a few episodes you guys have a great thing going so I'm excited to be here awesome. now now you're on the West Coast mm-hmm. you're in West California side. yep mm-hmm. the best side and <laughs> maybe, oh. maybe. Oh, wait. Oh, it's East Coast, West Coast. (laughs) Don't make me crip walk on this podcast. I'm Biggie, you Pac. Let's go. (laughs) No, yeah. No, I'm on. Yes. I'm on in LA. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. So, you know, for our listeners really want to learn more about you. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and why you started the Little CPA brand? 
Absolutely. Yep. So what happened was uh, I had a roommate uh, 10 or so years ago, and she was she's a film student at USC. She was now she's a filmmaker and she started her own production company. And she said, uh, hey, what are the tax implications of X, Y and Z? And I had just started in public accounting. So I was like, uh, I don't know, but we have research software. I'm going to look it up. And so I started writing this long memo to answer her question. Uh, and I never sent it to her. <laughs> but I started thinking, like, what if I did this regularly? And once people started learning that I worked as a public accountant and did tax returns, you just imagine the kind of questions I started getting over time. I said, I think there needs to be a resource out, out there where people that look like me can feel comfortable uh, about looking up information and getting their questions answered. So that's how the Little CPA was born. Um, the Little CPA, what it is, it's an educational platform that helps thriving professionals make wise financial decisions. And the reason why I say thriving professionals is because it's not really catered to people who, you know, um, budget or paycheck to paycheck, people who really are just in the struggle <laughs> right now. I definitely have been there. Uh, I definitely have compassion for those people and there's plenty of resources for them. Uh, this, the little CPA, however, is for people who have that career, started that job, got that promotion, became an entrepreneur, have some kind of financial stability or trying to get there. Uh, it's what you need to do next. Things about investing, things about taxes, things about uh, personal finance, um, all those types of things to help you get to the next level. Because uh, what I've learned as a public accountant working with high net worth entities and individuals, a lot of this information stays within these wealthy, <laughs> wealthy entities and wealthy firms. Uh, what you see on like Instagram and Twitter and all, a lot of those areas, people are kind of reiterating what they've read in books or this is what the wealthy do because you heard somebody else say that. But then when you're actually in the field, you're like, mm. so um, the, the site is committed to sharing qualified information based off of what I've learned as a public accountant and also uh, expertise from other qualified professionals. So what are some of the things that you wish more people like us knew about taxes in in in, in uh, I guess a situation where like you said they're they're entrepreneurs where they they have they make they make they making some money you know they're making a couple of dollars right now mm -hmm. like, what, what would you say some of the biggest mistakes are number one record keeping okay so you have all these people so black women for example are the leading entrepreneurs we're starting businesses like something like 10 of us to one white woman, right? But we don't keep records. And the thing is, you know, accountants, we can tell you what to write off. We can do all these tax strategies, but we can't do it without your help. So if you don't know how much you spent on X, Y, and Z, we can't write off X, Y, and Z, you know, and if you can't provide it to us in an organized manner, then there's, there's a disconnect there. So uh, that's the biggest issue in the, in our people that look like us, our age. That's why we missed out on PPP loans. That's why we missed out on EIDL loans. That's why we don't get certain grants because our information is not organized. And part of that, it's like, come on, y'all, we got to get our stuff together. But also part of that is financial literacy, not understanding bookkeeping, not understanding the um, what specifically is needed for your tax return. And so if, if I can help out in any way in that area, that's that's what I like to do through the little CPA. So what records should we be keeping like 
you're somebody who's making over a hundred thousand dollars. You don't, you know, you have most of your student loans paid off. Uh, you know, what should we be keeping at this point, record-wise? Yeah, well, it depends on how you keep your records, right? So, um, if you we as a, as an accountant, it's like, come on, let's let's get up to date, people, and do everything electronically, <laughs> right? So, I, I prefer not to for you to come into our office with a box of receipts and you know all that. Um, there's apps out there that allow you to upload receipts, things like that. Um, but on, actually, on the tax side, if we're only talking tax and not the accounting side, we actually don't need to verify um, your receipts. Yes, you should keep receipts when you buy anything for your business, um, receive any kind of income for your business, but we actually don't need to verify any of that. What we need is, all we need is a statement that says, this was my income, these are my expenses, line item by line item, um, now do my tax return. And then sometimes we might wanna look at things just to make sure we're reporting it correctly. But uh, as a tax accountant, we don't have to verify your receipts. Having said that, the step before taxes is bookkeeping. And in order to keep your books, you need to track your receipts. So uh, of course, I'd always recommend using a software. It's 2021, almost 2022, please. And so uh, QuickBooks, uh, and I'm a fan of QuickBooks. I'm only gonna say that, but there is other plenty of software, even industry specific software. So if you're a real estate agent, there's software, not a real estate agent, real estate investor, there's software out there for you to upload, you know, property management statements, things like that. Um, upload that to software and sometimes it'll track it for you. You know, it'll do the bookkeeping for you. If you have a more complex business, look into a bookkeeper or hiring an accountant that will do both the accounting and the tax, the accounting, I mean, bookkeeping and the tax for you. So uh, that's in a nutshell. So, so to follow up to that, so for, let's say for the non- Business, uh, business owners, entrepreneurs, like what are some actionable things that people can do to reduce their uh, adjusted gross income on their tax return, um, lower their tax liabilities? Like how can they get in front of it um, to uh, pay less in taxes? You're talking about someone who's a W-2. W-2 employee. And that's yep. it. Okay. Yes. Uh, my recommendation for anybody that's a W-2 employee is to look up form 1040 Schedule A. Okay, that is your itemized deductions list. That means if you have expenses that qualify for that list that exceed the standard deduction, and the standard deduction is uh, kind of like a, a tax break everybody gets. So everybody, when you file your tax returns, if you make $100,000, you get a standard deduction to reduce your taxable income every year. I think next year it's for an individual that standard deduction is 12,950. I think I have to double check that, but somewhere around there. Um, and so that means when you look at that schedule A, you wanna look at all the expenses there and you want those expenses to exceed that standard deduction because then you get to itemize on your tax return. Uh, those deductions on schedule A, they include mortgage interest. So that's why home ownership uh, can be a tax benefit. Uh, there's some law changes that made it a little bit difficult around something called SALT, which we can talk about if you want. Um, charitable deductions, um, if you have a lot of medical expenses, things like that. Um, so so that's, that's one way. Uh, there's also start a side hustle. <laughs> um, health savings account contributions as well. Um, those can be deducted on your tax return. Uh, but I always say start with the Schedule A. 
So let, let's elaborate on that. Cause I mean, I, I was actually talking to somebody who listened to the show recently and they were saying that, you know, we can, we, we can get a little too technical at times. So what okay. is it? What is a standard deduction? Like, like I, yeah. Can we just start with that? Yeah. So it's, it's a reduction of your taxable income that everybody gets. So mm. you don't have to be, you know, you don't have to be married to get a standard deduction. You don't have to be an entrepreneur to get a standard deduction. It's it's something that the IRS and some, most states, if you have a tax in your state, will grant you so that you can lower your tax deduction and pay less tax. OK, mm. before Trump. OK, the standard deduction was pretty low. Actually, I don't even remember what it was. It was like six thousand or something like that. Um, when Trump created the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, the standard deduction doubled, um, which, you know, for a lot of people, they're like, yes, you know, that's what's up. My, my, my taxable income automatically decreases by this significant amount. Um, but the caveat there was now you can't itemize. So now there's less incentive to donate to a charity. Now there's less incentive to write off your mortgage interest and your property taxes because your standard deduction is so high that you might not even get to uh, choose the other option, which is to itemize your deductions. So the way I'm understanding it is if, like, let's just say you make $120,000 and you would just basically subtract 12,000 from that and that would, would be your standard deduction. Is that what you're saying? That's it. Yeah, okay, that's exactly gotcha, gotcha. it. Yeah. If you're married, of course it doubles. And then if you're head of household, meaning like a single mom or something like that, then it's a different number as well. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, all right. So, oh, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, and just to elaborate, okay, so we talked about standard deduction. Now, itemizing is is something where, one, you you mentioned charitable deductions, right? Mm -hmm. And you, But you also mentioned earlier to record keep and track, right? I know mm -hmm. a lot of people may go to church or a place of worship and they donate there. And a lot of times they may either give cash or not even keep track of it. So I think just another place to emphasize is like keep track of the money that you're giving away um, at, at your places of worship, um, because those, as you mentioned, are places, uh, uh, places that uh, will go towards the state um, itemizing. And if you're giving 10 percent, 15, 20 percent of your income to your place of worship, that's another place where you substantially could reduce your tax liability. Yes. Can I speak on that, please? Because yes. uh, people of God, I am with you. I am one of you. But, you know, we do things for God and not for other people. And I totally am for that. But if you say I'm not going to deduct my tithes on my taxes because I'm not doing it for the deduction. Guess what you're actually doing? You're actually giving the government more money. <laughs> Why don't you deduct it on your taxes? No one has to know except for your CPA. You get an extra refund and give that back to the church or the homeless or foster kids or something like that. So, um, yes, track it. Churches, if you provide $250 or more throughout the year, um, should be sending you some kind of acknowledgement, some kind of receipt to confirm that you made those donations and keep that receipt and deduct it on your returns. Um, so, so people made a lot of money off crypto myself included, and I'm scared about this upcoming tax, <laughs> this, this tax session right now. I'm a little nervous, I'm a little sweating right now. You know, can you, can you talk about how they're going to be doing that, that, that tax stuff with this crypto stuff? Am, am I going to be crying a couple of months? What's up? 
how did you make your money on crypto? Is it, did it, is it, did it appreciate in value and that's where your wealth is coming from or did you yes. sell it? No. So, so I appreciate, so I sold some, sold some and I kept some, Okay. <laughs> but I did make some gains. Yeah. Okay. So this is all coins. It's not non-fungible tokens. It's all coins. Yeah. Not no, no NFTs. Okay. Not yet. Okay. How long did you have them for? Uh, less than a year. More than a year? Less than a year. Less than a year. Yeah. I trade. Did you talk to did you talk to your accountant before you did this? No, I didn't. I didn't know I needed to. <laughs> <laughs> That's why okay, I said I'm so nervous. Here's the thing. So the IRS considers cryptocurrency as property. Okay. Your house is property, your car is property, crypto is property. So what happens when you sell your house? You pay tax on the game. Okay. Um, houses do have some different rules, but I'm just using it for an example. All of you tax technical people out there. Um, what happens when you sell your car? That's taxable game. What happens when you sell any property? Taxable game. Um, so one thing I'm going to say is the, the IRS tax code is a blueprint for wealth. Okay. So the IRS wants you to hold property for a long time. Why? Because when you hold property for a long time, it appreciates your wealth increases, okay? So they incentivize you to hold wealth for a long time by giving you a lower tax rate if you sell assets after holding them for a year. Uh, even if your uh, income is below a certain level, you can sell a long-term asset. And I mean, your income has to be pretty low, but you can sell the long-term asset and pay long-term gain tax of 0%. So, um, and then it goes up from there. Uh, it's like there's 15% and, and so on, but uh, it's 10% and 15%. But yeah, so that's pretty low tax, right? Especially if you're making six figures or more, uh, your tax, your effective tax rate is probably in the 20%, maybe in 30%. Um, if you hold crypto for less than a year, it's going to be taxed at short-term rates and short-term rates are your is your effective tax rate. So if you are in the 22% tax bracket, then you're gonna pay around there on the gain from the sale. Uh, and not only that, there's state tax as well. So uh, yeah, I, I, it's, it's better to buy and hold with crypto for tax services. I say that, uh, you know, as an accountant, I'm supposed to tell you that, but if you made significant gains and you just, you know, reserve the amount you're gonna owe in tax, you make gains on your, on your investment. Like that's, that's cool. You probably could have saved if you would have, you know, held it on for 367 days or, or something like that. But, um, you know, if, unless you're paying like a million dollars in tax or something like that, um, you just gotta, you learn, you'll learn the next time. So yeah, bite the bullet, just bite the bullet. Yeah. Is what yeah. But yeah. just pre be prepared to pay the tax. I'd say that you don't want to have to get into IRS debt. Cause that's a whole nother oh, no. thing. I owed them $2,000 last year and they was not leaving me alone. I ain't messing <laughs> with those people. <laughs> $2,000 isn't bad. $2, I, am not, isn't bad. I am not playing with these people, boy. Yeah. Mm -mm. I, I feel like I was being harassed for $2,000. Oh, they, they, they were coming after you. They was coming Look, after me. Yo. They won't answer their phone, but they sure will send you a notice. See, you know, you know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so, okay. So you talked about uh, uh, crypto and you talked about NFTs, but another thing that's been very, very popular is just investing in general, especially since the pandemic, people are like, Hey, I want to learn a new skill. So mm -hmm. can you talk about taxation on stocks or uh, exchange traded funds or et cetera? Yeah. So it's the same thing. Um, so stock, 
index index fund, exchange traded funds, they hold stock, right? They are property as well. So the longer you hold, you pay the lower capital gains tax rate. The you hold it for less than 365 years or 300, 365 days or 366 days in a leap year, you're going to pay the short-term tax rate. One thing I will say is if you're um, receiving dividends on uh, some index fund, receiving interest, dividends, uh, things like that. Uh, even if you reinvest it, so sometimes, you know, your dividends, the dividends you receive are just automatically reinvested. You actually don't see it come into your bank account. Um, that's still taxed. So at the end of every year, uh, if you invest through a brokerage firm, Schwab, Fidelity, uh, Robinhood is more of a third party, not a brokerage firm, but they still provide you with um, tax statements. Um, you're going to get something called a 1099 every year, and it's going to show you how much interest you earned, dividends you earned, capital gains, and all, all other types of investment income. And uh, you might be like, I never got this money, $50 in interest, you know, 2000 in dividends. I never got that, but that's because you reinvested it. However, it's still taxable. Um, it's still taxable income. So uh, that's just something to keep in mind when you're investing. So it really just means that I need to just make sure I keep my money and trade in my IRA account because this is, I don't, I mean, otherwise I'm going to get, I mean, I hate to use the word rape, but it's just, that's what I'm going to, that's what I feel like. I feel like if you don't have it in the IRA or something that you're not going to get taxed at, you're going to get penalized in some way at the end of the year. Yeah. It depends on the person, right? If you are tax phobic, then yeah, put it in a Roth IRA or an account that's that's taxed uh, later or is going to be taxed now so you don't pay tax later, right? Uh, so you can, if you're tax phobic, some people are like, you know, I care more about the income than the tax. Of course, I want to limit my tax, my tax liability, but you know, I'm making money and I'll just pay whatever I owe the government agencies, then yeah, then you can just put your money in a brokerage firm. Um, I, you know, a lot of people will say things like, well, this is what the wealthy do, you know, to limit their tax and blah, blah, blah. You know, some wealthy do. It, it's just like financial taxes, like financial planning. You have to go with, with wherever you, um, your risk area is. If you're, like I said, tax phobic or risk, risk averse, you're going to put in as many strategies as possible to not pay tax. But if you don't mind paying a little tax, you are more risky, then, you know, you'll, you'll, buy, you'll buy crypto today and sell it tomorrow and just pay the tax because you care more about the money you made. Um, which one's smarter? Of course, it's smarter to try to keep as much money in your pocket. Which ones? I would recommend keeping as much money in your pocket as possible. So that means limiting your tax liability. But I'm also not going to knock you if you bought a good investment and made money off of it, <laughs> you know, and have to owe a little tax. So. Yeah. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Um, I, so I have one, another question. So at, at, at the, we're at the end of the year, you know, tax plans are very important for wealthy individuals. Uh, but for, you know, our thriving professionals, as you uh, mentioned earlier, what are some things that, uh, that we should be doing at the end of the year to get our tax, to make sure that we're not owing a lot of taxes or just year in planning in general? That's a really good question. Uh, it depends, right? So if you are an entrepreneur, you're going to want to take a look at your financial statements. So normally that's a profit and loss statement and your, your balance sheet, okay? Uh, if your profit and loss statement is showing a large profit and a little bit of loss, 
you're going to want to say, okay, you're probably going to have to meet with your accountant if you, if you have not self-educated yourself and say, okay, uh, I have all this income. Am I going to be taxed on this income or is it uh, non-taxable income? And then look at your expenses and see, okay, what's a write-off and what's not a write-off. Um, and if you don't know, then you need to schedule your meeting with your accountant ASAP to figure out what your write-off is going to look like uh, so that you'll, you'll be able to project your tax liability. Um, this to, to explain that a little bit more, um, I'll say this. Uh, so you're going to look at your profit and loss statement. You're going to evaluate it. But I really recommend looking at that, the, the expense part of your profit and loss statement. You're going to want to take a look at that and say, okay, uh, I bought, uh, say you're a real estate agent, okay, a real estate investor, and you spent $40,000 on plumbing for your property, okay? On your expense statement, you're going to, you might say, okay, $40,000, so write-off. Actually, it's not because with real estate, if you have uh, an improvement to your property, it's depreciated over time. So it seems like 40000 but you really have to divide that over a certain amount of years. And that's your actual expense for the, the amount you spent on plumbing. Um, same thing with your income. Okay, you're going to take a look at your income. Did you make a lot of income on uh, selling property? You know, because again, long-term and short-term gains, things like that. Or did you make a lot of in your income from uh, selling, you know, like uh, selling uh, merchandise, apparel, things like that, because then that's business income and not real estate property. So uh, I'm kind of dipping back and forth, but um, it really depends on what type of income you have. You're going to want to take a look at that uh, and see how it's taxed. Uh, if you don't know, you know, if you're like, okay, I own, uh, I own real estate property, but it's held in uh, an LLC. And so uh, how is that taxed on my tax return? You don't know, you need to go to an accountant and say, okay, what does this mean for my tax liability? But if you sell t-shirts, you know, that's just business income. You can say, okay, this, I sell these t-shirts. I'm a sole proprietor, um, meaning you, you don't have any type of hovering entity. You're just selling the the t-shirts um, and that's just going to be income on your tax return and uh, it's going to be taxed at your effective tax rate uh, and you're going to have to plan for that and then taking a look at your expenses and seeing okay what's actually a write-off what's going to be depreciated um, and what is just not even taxable on the tax return yeah I, I think I got too technical there but um, it, it's it's hard to it's really uh, case by case. So the, the, the bigger picture is really examine your profit and loss statement. And if you're not able to determine what your tax liability is from there, then go to your accountant and have them help you do a tax projection. You're gonna wanna bring your balance sheet as well so that they can help you determine how much uh, asset, how many assets you have to actually make certain business decisions last minute. So let's say that you need to contribute to your 401k plan or to your retirement plan in order to reduce your taxable income, they're going to make, make sure you have enough cash, you know, to make that decision. So that's where your balance sheet, um, which lists all of your assets and liabilities will be helpful to your accountant as well. Um, so yeah, the financial statement review is the best thing to do. So I just have one more question. Um, you said something that is still ringing in my ear. You said the IRX tax code is a blueprint to wealth. 
So where can people like myself or just, you know, a random Joe Blow, like want to like, where can we learn about these tax codes <clears throat> with exceptions of Google? Or is Google you know, the best option? <laughs> <laughs> Google, you know, you guys, a lot of people went to college, you got a degree. Um, tax at a certain level is really not that hard. And yeah. I know people will probably be like, don't say that because now everybody's going to try to do their taxes and mess it up. Uh, I'm not telling you to do your own taxes. I'm saying that it's the, if you read the instructions for the 1040 that you fill out, it's really straight up. So I always recommend starting at the instructions for your tax return. So if you complete the 1040, go look at the IRS instructions. Um, if you want to stay, if you want something that's less dry, <laughs> right? Because uh, it's pretty boring. Um, you know, if, I actually like Bloomberg tax. So they pretty they highlight a lot of the main issues. Uh, they, they can be a little more technical, but they provide very qualified and thorough information. So um, some of, I think it's free, they get like five free articles a month or else you have to subscribe. I also like um, Forbes. Forbes does a pretty good job. Um, of course, you know, like the ABCs, CNBCs, things like that. They're decent. I have seen some incorrect information on there and they tend to, to just uh, do content that's like really popular and stuff. So I, I, I tend to go to the Bloomberg and Forbes and the IRS instructions uh, or the little CPA <laughs> because, you know, I'm either interviewing other CPAs that are experts in an area or sharing knowledge that I've learned myself. Awesome. Awesome. Um, I know we're at time. I know you have to leave. So um, every episode we end with a question about, well, Brown takes it from here. So ask the question. <laughs> all right. So, you know, we're all about redefining the black experience. So my question to you is how are you redefining your black experience? Subjective, no right or wrong answer. Wow, that is like <laughs> a coming of age. No pressure. A coming of age question. Uh, you know, so I'm I'm black. I'm proud to be black. I didn't get here till I was in my 30s. Okay, um, I love being black, uh, but I grew up in Orange County, California, from age seventh grade to twelfth grade. Okay, and <clears throat> I bring that up because if you don't know about Orange County, if you never watched the OC. You know, it's very white mm -hmm. uh -huh, and Asian. And so um, that's part of my black experience, though. OK, uh, I didn't my dad's from Compton. So, you know, I got a little hood of me, but not really. <laughs> um, so redefining the black experience for me is being OK that I don't fit the stereotype for black, but also recognizing that because I can blend in in certain environments that maybe somebody that you know grew up in a different another black peer grew up in a different environment won't blend in i now have the ability to reach my hand out and say come on over so for example <clears throat> the um there's less than two percent of black cpas uh in the country okay and i've been able to navigate in this space um by god's grace um, but I also know that, you know, I speak how they want me to speak, you know, and, you know, my braids are a little messed up right now, but I can, I'm, I can look the look they want me to look like in these predominantly white spaces. Um, so, so my thing is to, okay, I can blend in here, but also let me go to, you know, the college 
the, the black college group and say, hey, come with me over here or learn about accounting because I got my foot in. Now I'm pulling my hand and trying to bring you over as well. Uh, yeah, so so it's it's accepting who I am as a black person, accepting the Orange County part of me, accepting the, the brown skin that I have, accepting my culture and all of that, but also accepting the fact that I do um, have other cultural experiences within me that I can use to uplift my community. So there. Helping others along the way. Yeah. Which is our tagline. So <laughs> we love it. Okay. Uh, yeah. Booyah. Yeah. yeah so, you guys are doing great stuff. I uh, love to see it. Yes. Thank and you. just, but just thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for just sharing your gems, uh, being a resource for others, you know, lifting others as you climb. We love that. Uh, lastly, where can people find you to learn more about The Little CPA? You can go to www.thelittlecpa.com and it's The Little CPA on all platforms. IG, Twitter, Facebook, even on TikTok. So, yeah. Awesome, awesome. So thank you for coming on. Uh, we appreciate you and everything that you're doing. We love to see it as they say. Uh, so with that, it is the 32 Life Podcast. It's your boy, Mookie. And your favorite color in the world, brown. And this is 30 Select Podcast. We out. And uh, also, make sure you hit that subscribe button. We appreciate the support. And lift that little stingy while you climb. <laughs> oh, I forgot. Don't yeah. be stingy. Give to the needy. And the people need to hear the 30 Select Podcast. We out. Peace.